How do you do, Doctor? I thought it was Janet. Janet's not home from school yet, Mother. Oh, well, I don't understand, Sally. It's quite unnecessary to have called the Doctor. I've only got a bronchial cold. Uh, maybe, but there's no need to take risks, is there? An examination won't go amiss now, will it, Mrs Grove? Such a fuss. If you'll excuse me one moment, Doctor. Yes, of I... course, Mrs Lake. But it's just that I've got something cooking. I'll with... be perfectly all right. I think Mrs Grove and I will get along splendidly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what may I ask you laughing at? Something cooking, indeed. I couldn't have put it better myself. You can stop this fast, Doctor. I know why she sent for you. You've come to see whether I'm mad or not. <laughs> I can assure you, Mrs Grove, I haven't. I've come because, by the look of things, you've got a touch of bronchitis and a worried daughter-in-law. You're new, aren't you? I took over from Dr Martin two months ago. Oh, I see. Thought I hadn't seen you before. Well, she thinks I'm mad. And why does she think that? Because she hears me talking to John. Who's John? My husband. I thought you were a widow. So I am. But I still talk to my husband. Sally doesn't understand, nor does my son. They think I imagine it. When did your husband die? He left the world a year ago. At first I stayed on at the cottage. Then Herbert, he's my son by my first husband, insisted that I come and live here with him. I'd got accustomed to talking to John at the cottage, so it's difficult to remember not to now. Sally keeps catching me in the middle of a conversation with him. She looks at me as if she thinks I ought to be behind bars. <laughs> <laughs> You're an old fraud. You think so, do you? Yes, I do. Well, remember, it wasn't me who made you come here for nothing. Still, I like you, Doctor. You've got a sense of humour. Thank you. Which is more than you can say for some. You can come and see me whenever you like. Well, that's very kind of you. Now, I'll go and leave a prescription for some linctus with Mrs Lake. Good day, Mrs Grove. Goodbye, Doctor. You see, John, I knew she'd tell him. So I thought I'd put my side of it first. I was right to tell him, wasn't I? Oh, John, really? <laughs> Did she tell you, Doctor? That she talks with her dead husband. Her second husband, I gather. Yes. And it's getting worse. She talks to him all the time when she's alone. Well, it's not unusual for someone recently bereaved to feel the presence of a dead spouse. Many widows, and widowers too, for that matter, have the experience. And keep it to themselves. Uh, Mrs Grove is open about it, which isn't a bad thing, really. Oh, you don't have to live with it, Doctor. Oh, it's getting me down, I can tell you. My husband laughs it off and says it's harmless, but then she doesn't do it so much when he's around. Yeah. I expect she thinks it's tactless. Oh, you see, my husband, uh, Herbert, didn't exactly love John Grove. His mother deserted his father and him for John when Herbert was only a little boy. 
Still, he's very fond of his mother, and when she was left on her own, he asked her to come here to stay with us, although she's always made me feel uneasy. She's, um, weird, Doctor. Uh, your mother-in-law mentioned uh, uh, Janet. Yes, she's our daughter. Oh, yes. Uh, does she find Mrs. Grove, well, weird? I don't know. I, I've expected her to say uh, who is Gran talking to, but she never does. She sort of accepts it. <sighs> You think I'm making a fuss about nothing. Oh, Janet, this is Dr. Raven, my daughter. Hello, young lady. Hello. Is Gran worse? No, 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 she's coming along nicely. Oh, good. I brought her some of those wine gums she likes. I'll take them up to her. Oh, no, she might be asleep, darling. No, she's not. I can hear her talking. That's the first time she's actually mentioned it. They always do that. Do, do what? I never know what they're laughing at. Well, it's probably something quite innocent. Well, it doesn't sound like it to me. Oh, Doctor, I'm sorry. Perhaps it is getting me down. Gran's all right. She's pleased with the wine gums. I told her she ought to go to sleep for a while. Absolutely right. What was the joke about? Nothing I dare repeat in front of Mummy. It was something John said. That's all. Sally, are you sure she said that? Well, of course I'm sure, Herbert. Right in front of Dr Raven, when he asked her what she was laughing at, she replied it was something John said. That's all. The way she said it, so casual. It was the casual way she said it that frightened me. Frightened you? Yes. You must do something. Go and speak to your mother. No, her, but while Janet's doing her homework. Oh, steady on, Sally. I mean it. Something has got to be done. She hasn't got much left in life, love. What's a bit of talking to herself matter? Please. Now. You look as though you've come to tell me off. <laughs> no, not really, Mother. It's just... Why, it's just this business of talking to John... We can't have you upsetting Janet, can we? I don't upset her. Oh, Mother, listen to me. Now, John Grove is dead. Whatever you hear in your head, it's not him. You resent him. You always have. He took me away from you. But it was your own fault. Oh, don't let's rake up old history again, please. That old history happens to be my life. I can't have you discussing him with Janet. When John speaks to me and Janet happens to be here, I can't ignore him. The child wouldn't expect me to. She doesn't think I'm out of my mind the way you and Sally do. Well, we don't think you're out of your mind. Yes, you do. You know in your heart of hearts that he's not there at all. He is there. John is not a fantasy. Yes, darling? Oh, sorry. I thought Gran was alone. What do you want? I've come to talk to Gran. Let her stay, Herbert. We enjoy our little chats. All right. But remember what I said. Your father objects to me talking to John. Why shouldn't you talk to your husband? It doesn't strike you as strange, then. <laughs> A bit. But then life is strange, isn't it? You never know what's going to happen next, do you? You know, my darling, you're so right. And so young to have recognised that. Do you know, Janet, my dear, at his funeral, I was saying to him in my mind, 
Goodbye, my darling. And he gave that little chuckle, which I knew so well. And he said in reply, Did you really think you'd got rid of me as easily as this? Not on your life. <laughs> How fantastic. Did you laugh? I gave a rather undignified snort, which was taken, fortunately, for a sob. <laughs> you are marvellous, Gran. Oh, I wish I had a dead husband to talk to. Much more fun than washing and getting meals ready all the time like Mummy does. You clean your room, don't you? Well, that's Mummy's idea. Although, actually, I don't mind. It means she doesn't have to go in there and nose around. Yes, privacy's nice. I miss it. When I was alone at the cottage and John was there, I neglected the housework and he said, You're a natural slut. Look at that dust. <laughs> and he laughed so sweetly. People waste too much time dusting. Anyway, we're all made of dust, aren't we? Yes, John. What did he say? He said, only our bodies are. I wish I could hear him too. One day. Not yet. Herbert and your mother disapprove. As we live on charity in their house, we must respect their wishes. <laughs> What's the joke, Gran? John's just uttered a word. A rude word. What was it? I know nearly all of them. Oh, no, I shouldn't. Oh, go on, please, Gran. <laughs> well, now, Mrs Lake, is it you you've come to see me about? Or Mrs Grove? Mrs Grove. Oh, I see. It was a month ago that I came to visit her, wasn't it? I need your help, Doctor. My mother-in-law is gaining too much influence over my daughter. She spends nearly every evening in her room. They laugh together. Well, isn't that a good thing, Mrs. Lake? No, it's the laughter that frightens me most of all. It's odd. It's not like normal laughter. They talk softly like conspirators. And last night something really awful happened. Well, I'm ashamed to admit this. But... Go on, please. Well, I listened at the door of Mrs. Grove's room and I heard her say... Well, John, how can Janet help us? And, and then she said, Janet, open the door quickly. The door was flung open and Janet caught me there listening. She said, Mummy, you were listening in a voice of horror. And oh, I denied it and packed her off to bed. Then Mrs. Grove said, you were listening, Sally. I know because John told me. Well, I tell you, Dr. Raven, I'd crept up those stairs without making a sound. How could she have known I was there? Oh, very easily, Mrs. Lake. A person living in a room all day gets to know every little sound the house makes, every creak, every rustle, every whisper. You... You don't think it is possible that John is there, do you? No, I don't. But she thinks he is, and she has a strong personality. It's affecting you as well as Janet. I think it would be a good idea if you tried and persuaded Mrs. Grove to come in and see me. You're conspiring with my daughter-in-law to have me put away, and that's the truth. Yes, nothing of the sort, Mrs. Grove. But you do realise how much you're distressing the household by insisting that John is with you? I won't lie and pretend he's not. Well, then, couldn't you keep it more to yourself... Especially where the child's concerned. You're being stupid now, Doctor. 
It's Janet who understands, you see. If it weren't for her, I'd have escaped this life and joined John long before now. He wants me to, you know. Now, now, look, Mrs. Grove, have you considered that the voice you hear isn't John at all? Don't be ridiculous, Doctor. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, it wasn't you. John just said something. It wasn't very polite, I'm afraid. I see. Uh, look, Mrs. Grove, I'd like to fix an appointment for you at the psychiatric clinic. I suppose you're happy now. What, sir? Mother's changed out of all recognition since she's been attending that psychiatric clinic. Yes, she has. She's quieter for one thing. That cackling of hers has stopped for another, and for a third she's stopped talking to John. Oh, for once the house is normal again. She's not the same woman I used to know. The spark's gone out of her. Janet's changed too. Yes, they're not conspiring together anymore. Oh, conspiring? Really, Sally? Laughing at me behind my back. She was corrupting our daughter and you were allowing it to happen. You don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, it hasn't stopped Janet from sitting in her bedroom with her. That's true. It hasn't. But all she does now is read to her. That's all. There's no harm in Janet reading to her. You've got them safe, my darling? Yes, Gran. John asks me to thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, John. Shh. Careful, my little darling. Keep your voice down. She might be listening. It's difficult waiting like this. Still, it'll only be a few more hours, and then... Tonight. Are you afraid, Gran? No, and you mustn't be either. You'll be safe. I'm not afraid when I'm with you, Gran. Good. Be brave, little one. Let me have them after they've gone to bed. Creep in like a little ghost, eh? What exactly will happen? After? By tomorrow. You'll know. say heart failure when did it happen just after you and janet left this morning does janet know yet no i thought she'd better stay at school for the day while we sorted things out oh, God. poor mother I'm, I'm sorry i couldn't get home quicker well, the office said you were out i couldn't reach you yes i had to go around the plimston branch dr raven I... said something else I didn't know whether to believe him or not. Uh, I mean, I find it hard to believe. What do you say, Sally? Well, he said there's reason to believe that your mother died from an overdose of those tablets the psychiatric clinic gave her. What? I said I thought it was impossible. Of course it is. Well, I told him that I took charge of those tablets when she came home from the clinic and that only I gave them to her one, mm. three times a day as prescribed. Well, what do you say to that? Well, he said that mental patients... Mental were... patients? She wasn't a mental oh, patient. Oh, please. Mental patients? My 
Oh, he said that mental patients were skillful at pretending to have taken tablets, yet saving them up to take in one go. That's what he said. Oh, my God. Heart failure. A broken heart's more like it. We should never have sent her to that damn clinic. All she needed to keep her happy was a harmless yeah, ghost. It wasn't harmless, as well you know. We took away her only comfort. You mean I took away her only comfort? All right, I do mean that. Am I being blamed for her death now? Oh, Sally, of course you're not. I, you know what I You'll meant. You'll be saying next it was me who administered the overdose. Oh, Sally, for God's well, sake. Well, why not? That's what you really think, that I bet. That isn't true. Yeah, I couldn't get rid of her fast enough, is that it? Look, Sally, all I said... I know is... what you said. I know what's at the back of your mind. Well, if you must know, it wasn't me, it was Janet. What? Oh, my God! What do you say? I didn't want to believe it. Sally, look at me. What What do you mean it was Janet? Oh, uh, but listen, I didn't want to think it, but... Well, while I was waiting for the doctor to come, after I'd found your mother, I, I started to... Tidy up Janet's room. Well, you know, something to do. I mean, I, I just couldn't sit around. The silence. Um, Janet's room was in a mess again, and her nightdress was on the floor. It's unusual for her. She used to be so tidy. When I put the nightdress back in her drawer, I, 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 I found this. Look. A bottle? With the tablets inside, yes. And you, you think... I know her, but I know they're your mother's tablets. But if Mother had been hoarding three a day since she came home, there'd be twice as many as this. We'll have to talk to Janet when she comes in. When she gets over the shock. <laughs> Hello. What are you doing? Hello. I thought you might be asleep. Just looked in to see how you were. I can't sleep. No. No. You're looking for something, were you? What? In the drawer. You're looking for something? No, just tidying things up. Your mother did that for you this morning. No. Oh, is that why I can't find anything? Unless, of course, you were looking for this. What is it? What does it look like? It's a bottle. A bottle of tablets. Grand's tablets. Do you steal them, Janet? No. Though someone seems to have taken them from me. Now, that's enough. Your mother found them and knew they couldn't possibly belong to you. They are mine. She had no right to take them. She had every right. Now tell me, how did you get them? Grand gave them to me. Why? To keep for her, that's all. But you knew she was supposed to be taking them to cure her illness. She wasn't ill. And she didn't need to be drugged out of her mind so she'd lose John. She needed John. At least they're together now so they'll be happy. When Gran asked you to keep the tablets for her, did you know she wanted them saved? No, I just did as I was asked. Each day she saved three and passed them to me to keep safely until she asked for them back. And did she ask for them back? Yes, last night. So I gave them to her. Hmm. But not all of them, eh? You kept these. There were 
too many. We saved too many. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> Janet. Janet, darling. She died of an overdose, love. It would have been more of an overdose if you had given her all the tablets. Is that why you only gave her half? You loved her so much that you couldn't refuse to do what she wished, but at the same time, you hoped that if she didn't take enough, her plan might fail. Is that how you'd worked it out in your mind? Hmm? Yes, yes, it's true. And now she's gone away and left me, and it's all my fault. No, 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 darling, no, it's not your fault. She could always make people do what she wanted. Gran was a very persuasive lady. We'll never mention it again, love. Never. It's our secret. Yours, Mummy's and mine. OK? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it any more, Sally. It wasn't Janet's fault. But to aid and abet someone she loved so much to Look, commit Sally, suicide? Look, there's something I've never told you before. When I was a child, I used to carry messages between Mother and John Grove... I even helped her run away. You did? Hmm. Even when you knew it meant leaving you behind? Now, the plan was that I should go with them. I funked it at the last minute, though. I let her down. I was tormented with guilt afterwards. You let her down? You let her you down? You've never understood, Mother, and that's why you've never liked her. You see, she expected everything from those who professed to love her. She wouldn't even let poor old John die, would she? Well, at least your mother's death has rid this house of that abominable ghost or whatever it was. All right, Herbert. We'll try and forget the whole thing. We will, in time. But it will take time. Perhaps a holiday would help. Hmm? I've got some time, Owen. Yes. Oh, where's Janet now? Crying in her room. Gran? That you? I couldn't. I was too afraid. And now they've found the bottle and taken it away. What? I don't know what they've done with it. Honest, Gran. Janet? Yes, Mummy? Who were you talking to? No one. I was just learning some poetry. Saying it aloud to myself. in England again. Just look at the weather. Oh, it was a lovely fortnight. It was a marvellous holiday, wasn't it, Janet? Well, you enjoyed Spain, didn't you? It was all right. You don't sound too sure. All right, then. I enjoyed myself. Oh, it was nasty. I missed the house. What? I said I missed the house. I didn't. I missed Graham. Please, you know what I said. 
I know what you said, but it doesn't make me feel any different. Janet, Gran's dead. Let's forget about her, John, and all the other things. Oh, I think we'll take the suitcases in when it stopped raining. And... Okay, nice cup of tea first, eh? Oh, good! There's the house! Look, look! All right, all right. It's the same one we've lived in for the past ten years. I'm so pleased to be back again. Listen! What's the matter, Janet? Can't you hear them? We'd better make a dash for it. We must be able to hear them. What in heaven's name are you talking oh, listen, about? Listen, damn you, listen! How dare you, Janet? Sally. <laughs> Oh, my God. Did you hear... You heard them, didn't you? No. They're inside, waiting for me. They've missed me as much as I've missed them. Now, listen to me, Janet. I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense. Gran! John! Here I am! I'm back! I'm back! Janet! My God, what's she doing? Janet, you haven't got a front door key! Janet! Come back! But she's gone in. We must have left the door unlocked. The door was locked. I made sure before we left... Janet! 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 Where are you? Janet! Oh, come on now, don't be silly! Janet! Oh, my God! God, what are we going to do? Sally. What in God's name are we going to do? Sally. <gasps> she's nowhere in this house. She's gone. Oh, I'm frightened. I'm so frightened. She can't have disappeared. Not like that. <laughs> Herbert, listen. <laughs> she's gone. Janet! Gone! She can't. Won't vanish. No. No, not vanished. She's lost. Lost. <laughs> present Haunted, Stories of the Supernatural. What Was It? by Fitzjames O'Brien. Adapted to radio by Derek Hodinot. Starring Peter Marinka as Harry, Blaine Fairman as Hammond, and Helen Horton as Mrs. Moffat. Haunted. It is, I confess, with considerable diffidence that I approach this strange narrative. 
The events which I purpose detailing are so extraordinary in character that I am quite prepared to meet with an unusual amount of incredulity and scorn. Having said that, I wish now to relate some facts which came to pass July last, in the year 1854, and which, in the annals of the mysteries of physical science, are wholly unparalleled. I had just arrived at number 28, 26th Street, New York City, a large rambling house previously owned by a Mr. Arbuthnot, a well-known New York merchant who became the center of a gigantic financial swindle, and who, as a result, committed suicide abroad. The house, after remaining empty for years, gained a reputation for being haunted. But this did not deter a certain Mrs. Moffat from turning it into a reputable boarding house. No, Mr. Crown. Neither I nor my guests believe all the stories put about by the neighbors. In fact, Mr. Crown, when Mrs. Moffat challenged us to follow her here, we couldn't wait to accept. Dr. Hammond here was at my previous abode. I owned a smaller boarding house some two blocks away. But when I heard that this property was for sale, well, at a reasonable cost, I felt I had to jump at such a bargain, despite its reputation. Pray tell me, Mrs. Moffat, what stories were circulating about the house? Oh, strange noises and the like. The caretaker and his wife, who were looking after the property during those three years, spoke of furniture being moved, of, uh, of unseen steps on the stairs in broad daylight, the rustle of silk dresses, the usual things. And what happened to the caretakers? Oh, the estate agent dismissed them. That's right, isn't it, Mrs. Moffat? Well, he had no hope of selling the property while they were spreading such morbid tales. He had to get rid of them. Then, when Mrs. Moffat was telling us that this house would be ideal for expanding her business and that the accommodation would be much better, we, her guests, that is, were unanimous in taking up the challenge of the unknown and joining her. Naturally, Mr. Crown, I had to consult my guests, because they too must have heard the stories about the house. I couldn't afford to lose such respected clientele if they felt, well, any qualms about the possibilities of specters appearing at the foot of their beds in the dead of night. <laughs> <laughs> and we were proved right For since moving here, nothing has happened Nothing at all? <laughs> well, something has then There is an explanation As I pointed out to Dr. Hammond What was it? It happened in my bedroom as I was washing before going to bed mm -hmm. The candle suddenly went out A window was open a breeze. The window was not open. And if it had been, the night, I recall, was still. I'm sure there is an explanation, but... You haven't found one? Not as yet, no. It's an overactive mind caused by all that reading, Doctor. You're probably right, Mrs. Moffat. All of us have read up on supernaturalism, psychic research, and... What's the matter? Harold Crown, you said? Yeah. Are you the author of the history of supernaturalism that I've just read? For my sins, yes, I am. Well, good Lord, Mrs. Moffat, we have an author in our midst. And not only an author, but a specialist in spirits and expert in ghosts. I wouldn't call myself an expert. 
Tell me, Mr. Crown. Yes, Mrs. Moffat? What brought you to my establishment? How did you hear of its existence? From a friend. He stayed here, then? No, uh, he'd heard the rumors, that's all. He had a house, the garden of which backed onto yours. Naturally, he could not help but hear the gossip. Oh, I see. But you do have business in New York. You see what Mrs. Moffat is doing, don't you, Crown? What's that? She's trying to find out the real reason for your coming here. Business or merely ghost hunting? <laughs> I suggest we move into the dining room. I think tea is going to be particularly interesting. Oh. I can't wait to introduce Mr. Crown to them. I believe he's come here for one thing only. To try and catch our ghost. <laughs> it was only after a month of psychological excitement that it was with the utmost dissatisfaction that I was forced, like my fellow boarders, to admit that nothing in the remotest degree approaching the supernatural manifested itself. I suppose I should have left there and then. For Mrs. Moffat and Dr. Hammond were right. I had come to the house in order to seek out the strange happenings which had been reported to me. But I struck up a great and deep friendship with Dr. Hammond, whom I discovered had a secret vice. The same as mine, in fact. It was a discovery I made as I smoked my pipe in the garden one evening after dinner. Harry, forgive me for asking. Yes, Stephen? What is it? I thought so. W what's the matter? My friend, we share a common interest. I wasn't sure at first, but now... You smoke opium. Well... Yes. Yes, I do. But please don't mention it to Mrs. Moffat. I don't think she... My dear Stephen, I... You don't mean... Regularly. Usually alone in my room. Or when I'm outside, walking in the streets or parks. This is wonderful, Harry. I've smoked it for some time now. So have I. At least two years. That's marvelous. My dear friend, do not leave this house without us smoking at least once together. We can share our experience. I would find it scientifically interesting to see whether its effects are the same on two different individuals or whether its effects are common to all, irrespective of mental and physical abilities. What do you say? I would be happy to, my dear friend. We enjoyed together those wonderful moments when our thoughts expanded, our perceptive facilities intensified, and when our bounds of existence exploded so that we were able to touch all points of the universe. But the hours which the doctor and I spent together were regulated with scientific accuracy. We did not blindly smoke the drug of paradise and leave our dreams to chance. We talked calmly, steering our conversation through the brightest and calmest channels of thought. We talked of art, poetry, and literature. When we spoke of Shakespeare's Tempest, we lingered over Ariel, never Caliban. Until one evening, when we had talked some time upon the mysticism and the almost universal love of the terrible, Stephen Hammond suddenly said to me, Harry... 
do you consider to be the greatest element of terror? What do you mean, my dear friend? Come, come, Harry. Surely the question is a simple one. Well, there are many things that would frighten me, terrify me. Stumbling over a corpse in the dark, beholding, as I once did, a woman floating down a deep and rapid river with wildly lifted arms and awful upturned face shrieking in fear as she died in the freezing waters. I must say, Stephen, I've never considered the subject before. I cannot, therefore, attempt even the most vague definition. Well, I am somewhat like you, Harry. I feel my capacity to experience a terror greater than anything yet conceived by the human mind. Something combining in fearful and unnatural amalgamation hitherto supposed incompatible elements. Look, I think we should stop talking like this. We shall suffer for it, depend on it. I don't know what's the matter with me tonight, but my brain is running upon all sorts of weird and awful thoughts. I'm off to bed. Opium and nightmares should never be brought together. How sultry it is anyway. Good night, Stephen. Good night, Harry. Pleasant dreams to you. To you, gloomy wretch. Visions of ghouls and enchanters. <laughs> we parted, and each went to his respective chamber. I undressed and got into bed. I resolved to go to sleep. Turned down my gas lamp so that only a little blue point of light glimmered at the top of the tube. I composed myself to rest. And then... Dear God, even recalling the incident now makes me shudder and recoil. Something awful happened. Oh my God, what's that? Get off me. For God's sakes, what's happening? Let me go. For God's sake, let me go. I can't. The light. I must turn on the light. My throat. Take your hands from my throat. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh my God. Leave me alone. Where are you? Where are you? I can't see. Dear God, I cannot see. I can hear you, but I can't see you. Take your hands off me. Let go of me. Help. Help. Assassin. Please, someone. I've got you. I've got you. Stay still. Stay absolutely still while I turn the light up. I shudder now as I think of that terrifying moment. For I saw nothing. I had one arm firmly clasped round a breathing, panting, corporeal shape. My other hand gripped with all its strength, a throat as warm and apparently fleshy as my own. And yet, with this living substance in my grasp, with its body pressed against my own and the bright glare of a large jet of gas, I beheld absolutely nothing. 
Not even an outline. A vapor. My God! Harry, what's going on in here? Stephen, help me! Harry? What's, what's happened? What, what, what are you doing? Please, come closer. For God's sakes, come closer. Oh, I can hold this thing down only a short time longer. What? Hold his arm down. There. That arm is there. It's gradually overpowering me. Help me, for God's sake, help me. Harry, there's nothing there. You've been smoking too much opium. I swear to you, Stephen, this is no vision. Don't you see how my whole body shakes as it struggles beneath me? Please, Stephen, if you're not convinced, feel it, Harry. touch it. Harry, please, there is nothing there. Can't you hear it? Breathe. Listen. Harry, please. Listen, damn you. Harry, you'll have Mrs. Moffat. Listen. That's you. Oh, touch it. Feel it. Go on, Stephen. Do as I say. Feel its arm. There, its head. Go on. All right. All right. Oh, my God. You felt it? Flesh and bone, sinew and blood. My God, Harry, what, what is it? In the cupboard, man. Over what? there. A length of cord. I cannot hold him much longer. We'll tie him up with a cord. But, but, but there's nothing there. We, 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 we get the see cord, it. for God's what? sake, before he gets free again. Yeah. I've got the cord, Harry. Well, go on. Tie him up. Tie the, the thing or whatever it is up. Very well. His hands are there. I'll tie them first. Hurry, I'm weakening. I can feel the hands. God, hurry. We ought to get help. Harry, now the other hand. Please, Stephen, hurry. What are you going to do? Now, pull the hands together. Then we'll tie the feet. He nearly got free then. Quickly, Stephen, tie the feet together. I feel sick. Uh, Harry, I'm going to be sick to touch something and not... Do it, be... Stephen, for heaven's sake, man. Just do it. <laughs> All right, Harry. You want to let go of the... The, 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 the thing can't move. <laughs> It's all right, Stephen. No, 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 no. It, it's the opium. It, it affected both of us. We took too much. Oh, it isn't that. It exists. How can, how can a living, a solid living body be, be invisible? I don't know, my friend. But now it is bound and cannot hurt us, I propose to find out. Stephen! What? There is something there. See? the indentation on the sheet. It moves and struggles with the ropes. I cannot watch. My friend, you are witnessing a miracle. Don't you realize? The first visible signs of a being from another world. A world we know nothing of that has shape and form like us, but we cannot see. You say it's like us? But how do you know? I don't know, of course. Look, let us sit down and think this out. Well, no, please, we... Stephen, I need your help. You're a doctor. Your views could be useful to me. Now, 
We've got over the first shock now. It's, it's time to use our heads to think what to do. What scientific value we can expose to the world. You, you don't intend to and tell. Nothing like this has occurred since, since the birth of the world. I know not what to think at this precise moment. Oh, God grant that I am not mad and that this is not some insane fantasy. Uh, oh, all right, Harry. Now, let us reason. A little. Good man. Uh, here is a solid body which we touch, but which we cannot see. Yes. I, now, the fact is so unusual that it, it strikes us with terror. Is there no parallel for such a phenomenon? Uh, take a piece of pure glass. It is tangible but transparent. Uh, a certain chemical coarseness is all that prevents its being entirely transparent as to be totally invisible. Uh, we do not see the air, but we breathe it, feel it. Uh, that's all very well, Stephen, but these are inanimate substances. Glass does not breathe. Air does not breathe. This thing has... Has a heart that palpitates, a will that moves it, lungs that play and inspire and respire. Listen! You hear it breathe? It sleeps. Oh. But you forget. You forget the phenomena of which we have heard so often of late. At, at the meetings called spirit circles, invisible hands have been thrust into the hands of those persons round the table warm, fleshy hands that seem to pulsate with normal life. Then, like me, you think that this thing is... I, I, I don't know what it is, but please the gods, I will, with your assistance, thoroughly investigate it. as I can make out by touch. It has a human shape. There is a mouth, a round, smooth head, without hair. There is one thing, Stephen. What? His hands. What about them? Well, they seem to be that of a boy's. What are we going to do, Harry? Tomorrow morning, when the house is astir, when... Mrs. Moffat has the rooms clean. We can't leave it here. It's asleep now, but tomorrow when it wakes up... We shall have to pretend that I'm ill. Gone down with a fever. You, you can say that you think it ill-advised for anyone to enter the room for the time being, apart from yourself. Stephen, I've just had a marvelous idea. What? A setting of plaster. What? What are you talking about? By covering it with a setting of plaster, we shall be able to determine its form. That's all right if it remains still, Harry, but look how it struggled with you. Look at the strength it contains. The plaster would never set. Oh, then, then we have to find a way of keeping it still. 
tying it down doesn't totally prevent movement. Chloroform. That's a good idea. If it'll work. Oh, why shouldn't it? If, if it... If he has the same senses, feeling as a human being, why not, Stephen? We ought to tell Mrs. Moffat. The others have a right to know. When we have the answers, Stephen. Now, now look. Tomorrow morning, you, you tell them I'm ill. And that it will be necessary for you to remain in my room all day in order to keep my fever down. Now, bring the chloroform and plaster. Tomorrow, we'll know. We'll know what lies there. And then... Only then can we truly explain to the world what we have discovered. And so it was. All day we worked silently in my bedroom so that Mrs. Moffat would not suspect. The lie having been communicated to the rest of the guests, Dr. Hammond returned to my room with the chloroform and the plaster. By this time the thing had woken up. It struggled at its fettles, breathing deeply and angrily. We chloroformed it. And within minutes it fell silent. We managed to undo the rope. And then, carefully, slowly we covered it in the plaster. Never was anything revealed that was so horrible. So, even now I feel sick at the thought of it. It was shaped like a man. Distorted, uncouth and horrible. But still a man. It was small, not over four feet high and its limbs revealed development that was unparalleled. It had the physiognomy of what I should fancy a ghoul might be. It looked as if it were capable of feeding on human flesh. My God. All right. I know. I wish we'd never started on this. We cannot let the others see it. Or know of its existence. But what do we do? It lives. It breathes. But now we can see it too. I, I can barely remain in this room. Don't desert me now, Stephen. Please, don't desert me. What do we do? We... We have to make our discovery public. No. No. Think... Think what might happen to us. Having gone this far, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we might become outcasts by society in the belief that we might possess some hidden powers that through even practicing some form of black magic. Oh, no. No, it is too dangerous. Stephen, help me. It's moving violently. More chloroform. The blasters break. Chloroform, quick. <laughs> Several days passed. The most distressing part of the affair was that we were entirely ignorant of what the creature habitually fed on. Everything in the way of nutriment that we could think of was placed before it, but was never touched. It was awful to stand by and hear the hard breathing and know that it was becoming hungrier, hungrier, weaker and weaker. Finally, on the tenth day, he died. The thing died at half past two exactly, and the sudden silence in my room was deafening.
Ready? Yes. If anyone should be watching... What? Seeing us bury an imaginary body, they, they think us cruelly mad. I'm keeping the plaster cast. As scientific evidence. No one will believe you. I'll have to risk it. Come on, let's fill it in. What's the matter now? I was just thinking. I sat there last night in my room and watched it die. I actually sat there and watched another human being die. Human? Well, Stephen, if it wasn't human, what was it? What Was It? by Fitzjames O'Brien, starring Peter Marinka as Harry, Blaine Fairman as Hammond, and Helen Horton as Mrs. Moffat. Haunted was adapted and directed by Derek Hodinot.